up, you guys? Welcome to the first episode of the Part You Play podcast. With me, I have Hannah Gronowski Barnett, which I'm so excited for her to be my first ever um, guest because we're going to unpack so much wisdom from her. And I know that everyone who listens to this is going to learn so much as I have. So um, thank you, Hannah, for being here. I'm so glad. This is so fun. Um, So... To start off, um, I kind of want to talk about how we met, and then um, we can talk about who you are, what you do. Okay, so how I met Hannah. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was actually listening to another podcast that she was actually doing, and I was like, who is this woman? Like, Mm -hmm. I need to meet her. I learned so much um, from that short amount of time that I was listening to it, and I looked you up on Instagram, and I saw that you were doing coaching calls and so I dm'd her we hopped on a call we talked for like an hour yeah yeah and um but I told her I was missing community Mm. um and she told me about her gen b her um nonprofit organization that we're also going to get into because it's amazing um so yeah she led me into that direction and literally the first the second time that we were talking like I vented so much to her it felt like I had already known her for like Mm. so long so yeah, thank you so much. I'm so glad. I, I love that you reached out, and that said so much about who you are, that you were willing to reach out and say, hey, I want to go to the next level of my leadership. So mm-hmm. I, I was amazed, and now it's so cool to be full circle, and now I'm on your podcast. How fun is that? I know, and we're in Chicago. We are. We are in Chicago. <laughs> I love, again, another step of initiative you took as a leader was you said, I want to film this podcast. I said, you want to come out to Chicago? And you said, I'll book a flight. And that just showed so much about the kind of leader that you are, and so – an honor to sit down with you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay, so tell us about who you are, yes. what you do. I obviously know who you are and sure. what you do, but sure. the audience needs to know what sure. you do. So, sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so my name is Hannah Gronowski Barnett, and I'm the CEO and founder of a nonprofit called Generation Distinct. And essentially, we believe that every young leader has a wrong they were born to make right. And so we mm-hmm. want to partner with you all to unleash that and to yeah. also watch how that equips you even walk more um, alongside the mission of Jesus and so that's that's what I'm really passionate about I'm passionate about unleashing young leaders into their calling and so I do that in a lot of different ways through Generation Distinct through a book that I wrote called Generation Distinct Discover the Wrongs We're Born to Make Right through the podcast that I run Generation Distinct podcast (laughs) um, through my faithful channel that I run Mm -hmm. called the Young Leaders Collective um, and just through investing in young women that I'm really passionate about also Mm -hmm. seeing stepping into their calling Um, I'm a speaker as well and I'm married to an amazing guy named Aaron Barnett, mm-hmm. and we live in Chicago, which is unapologetically my favorite city in the world. Oh, yeah. She was telling me everything about it, That's right. and convincing I love it. You. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Almost convincing me to, like, come live here, but, like, I can't do the cold. <laughs> it takes really strong people. Oh. <laughs> no, for sure. I agree. Um, but, yeah, totally. I – one thing that I have loved – is joining Generation Distinct. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've always looked for a community like that. And even though it's on a person, it yeah. feels so personal. Yeah. Um, every day I wake up and I learn so much from everyone mm-hmm. in it. Um, you know, whether it's sharing their testimony, sharing their story, something that happened in yeah. that day. Yeah. Um, just keeps me motivated and like on my feet to Come like, on. you know, do more and just yeah. like be better. And even in like when I've, I've felt dismotivated. I there's times where like someone will say something like a scripture, yeah. give words of encouragement. It's like, whoa, like I can keep yeah, going. That's yeah, that's so good. Yeah, it's such a unique community, mm-hmm. and it's really amazing that you are a part of it today. Because, and it, maybe we'll talk about this more later. Mm-hmm. But part of my story is generation distinct was a vision I had when I was 16 years old. Yeah, and so I'm 26 now. Yeah, and again, that's not any credit to me. I always say God chose to use me to start this vision mm-hmm. because he wanted to show other people that he could use the least likely most unqualified kind of yeah. person to lead his vision forward he doesn't yeah. actually need us to be qualified mm-hmm. um and so anyway it's just so humbling that yeah. 10 years after that original vision there are amazing young leaders like yourself going through this mm-hmm. organization in this program and yeah. in this community and it's so it's so special yeah and it's so inspiring to see you stay so patient because mm. obviously it wasn't something that happened overnight yeah um but things that happen overnight don't last come on so, talk um, about it yeah so i i'm so proud of you for mm. it's just so inspiring to see that you were patient during mm. that time and 
even your love story, which I love, <laughs> um, just how patient you've been and how rewarding God mm-hmm. has been in that. Come on. In a, even a, just you waiting. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm moved by it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you sure. so much. Yeah. So let's, um, let's see. I should probably cut this out because I <laughs> hold on. <laughs> hold on. Um, so do you want to talk about a little bit about your story? Yeah. About how you even came to knowing God or did yeah. you go grow up in a Christian household? Yeah. Did you, did you have a supportive family if you mm-hmm. didn't? Like how, yeah. how, how did that look like? Yeah. Great question. So, um, I always like to say my, my family was my unfair advantage in a lot of ways and that I had two parents who, um, were essentially fourth generation Christian. So this mm-hmm. is somewhat new for them in their lives. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, they were just trying their best to create a family that was centered on Jesus in a way that they had, you know, good things in each of their families, but really it wasn't super modeled what it mm-hmm. looked like to have a family totally centered on Jesus. Yeah. Um, my dad came from a really broken um, past and anyway, they got married and, and they were just so raw and real mm-hmm. with their stories and with their journey. And so right away, like I got, from a very young age to hear the stories of how before they met Jesus, their life was one way. And then after they encountered Jesus, their life was more beautiful and more full and more hopeful and more full of purpose. And mm-hmm. I just thought, well, that's the better option. And so mm-hmm. they just really set us up to, as, as kids, myself and my siblings, to understand what it meant to follow Jesus in just a very real natural way. It was wow. just, Jesus was always the best option. Yeah. And then I also went to a church that was very engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to say I was a mega church kid gone right. Mm-hmm. A mega church is not good for everyone. Yeah. But for me, it was a really good fit. There was a lot of people moving in the same direction. That mm-hmm. was really exciting and compelling for me. And mm-hmm. so I loved walking to a church with thousands and thousands of people that were all excited about yeah. Jesus. And I was really involved in my church. I had leaders in my church that noticed leadership and ability in me from a young age and saw speaking ability in me from a young age. And so wow. started like teaching Bible stories to kids in the kids ministry when I was 12. Wow. And the person, her name is Allison, who was over that ministry, just invested in, in me. She would take me out mm-hmm. for coffee. Um, she would take me out for lunch. She would talk to me. She would know about my life. You know, she was invested in yeah. who I was as mm-hmm. a person. And then I wanted to serve on Sunday mornings because of that. Yeah. And so Serving in my church was fun. A lot of my friends my age were also serving. I had leaders investing in me. Um, and so from a young age, church was the best place to be yeah. because I had an authentic experience with Jesus. I had leaders who believed in me. I had a community who were committed to him larger than ourselves. Wow. So I loved church from yeah. a really young age. Um, and then fast forward, um, when I was 16, I still loved church, but there was something in me that wanted something more. Mm -hmm. I was starting to recognize, okay, following Jesus is great, Mm -hmm. but I keep hearing these stories of people in the Bible who literally gave up everything, who gave their whole lives and existence to build the kingdom of God. And I thought, Mm -hmm. well, I want in on that kind of of relationship with Jesus. And so I prayed a prayer when I was 16. I said, God, I'm going to do anything you want me to do. Here's my life. Like, take it. Do whatever you want to do with my life. And I ended up feeling like the next four months were pretty silent on God's mm-hmm. end, that I didn't really feel like I heard much from him. I was a little bit confused on what he was doing and what he was trying to communicate to me. And um, I just went through these months of praying over and over and over. God, tell me, what do you want me to do? Here's my life. However you want me to serve you, like I am in. And again, silence, silence, silence. And it wasn't until there was this moment, I found this book. And I've always been very passionate about justice. I've always been really compelled by the idea that in the world where we see so much injustice, God is the one that actually compels us to care for the least of these and the oppressed and the marginalized. And so there's this book that presented a lot of major injustices in the world and hopefully helping young people figure out what they're most passionate about. And so I thought, this is going to be easy. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to figure out what my passion is. And I'm going to go change the world tomorrow. It's going to be so easy, right? Well, I read the book and I read the chapter about, you know, homelessness. And mm-hmm. I thought, yes, this is my passion. I'm going to save yeah. all the homeless people, right? Mm-hmm. And then I flipped the page. It would be about human trafficking. And I would think, oh, no, 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 never mind. Mm-hmm. This is my passion. I'm going to save all the girls out mm-hmm. of human trafficking. And then I'd flip the page. It would be about orphans across the globe. And I would think, oh, no, no, never mind. This is my passion. I'm going to save all the orphans. 
So needless to say, I got to the end of the book and was actually way more confused than I was when I started. <laughs> and I remember thinking, God, I am trying so hard here. I am trying to do your work. What are you trying to tell me? What is the thing that you want me to accomplish for your kingdom in this world? What's the injustice? What am I supposed to do with my life? Mm-hmm. And I never want to over-spiritualize this. It wasn't this voice from heaven. It wasn't right on the wall. But mm-hmm. it was this impression that I got. And I felt like it was because I had been faithful in asking God over the last few months, investing, like learning, educating myself. And in that moment, God impressed on me this vision. I felt he said, Hannah, you're not called to solve all the injustice in the world. Mm-hmm. Instead, I want to use you to empower a generation to go after justice and their callings in this world. And in so doing, you'll have a greater impact. Amazing. And so I remember I ran up to my little bedroom at the time. I was 16, right? I had my, this little whiteboard in my room where I started mm-hmm. drawing out all these ideas and plans for what it would be like. Literally, the original vision was to help my generation not just know what we were passionate about, but to actually create a strategy to accomplish that passion. And believing that we would see so much more change in the world if we could actually just equip the next generation to not just know what they're passionate about, but to know how to accomplish that passion and then to see how it would partner with the mission of Jesus in the world. And fast forward, I mean, that's exactly what Generation Sync is and yeah. does today. And again, most of my story is not because I had any business being a leader, mm-hmm. but I had key people in my life who continued to notice leadership qualities in me. I had pastors and leaders and mentors and um, friends and parents that saw something in me and I said, I see that you have a gift for speaking. I see that you have a gift for leadership. I see that you have a gift for writing and all those things I've so been able good. to step into because people saw something mm-hmm. in me. And um, and so today I'm, I'm where I am today, yeah. not because I have any qualifications in myself, but because God when God calls us, he qualifies us. Yeah. And oftentimes he uses people around us, I think, to speak words of life, mm-hmm. to remind us that, yeah. again, it's not anything to do with me, but God can use whoever he wants. Yeah. And I feel like you're a reflection of mm-hmm. the environment you grew up in. Yeah. Because you are definitely a leader who invests in her disciples and mm-hmm. the people who follow her. and. Yeah. I love how, like, I can just call you up when I am needing advice mm-hmm. or needing a friend, needing yeah. someone to lean on. And um, it's not just a regular, you know, conversation. It's more, it's deeper than that because wow. you have so much knowledge and you've been mm-hmm. through so much that you're able to help me and guide me in the direction, you know, God's path, you uh-huh. know. So um, it's also amazing how today I was able to witness you speak at an Mm. event for the first time and I saw how on fire Mm. you were for God and if that's how on fire you were at 16 (laughs) and like that fire has not burned out and I am so glad that it hasn't because like I know like I've been so inspired by your story Mm. and I know that I'm here because of you because um for those of you who don't know I actually took off the semester to um, start a podcast and a clothing brand which I'll be releasing in the future, but, um, yeah, you, I remember, I think it was either October or November, I remember calling you and telling you, I'm not sure if that's what I want to do, I don't want to disappoint the people around me, I don't want to receive criticism, which I think this generation suffers so much with, you know, um, caring so much about what others think, Mm -hmm. so that they, like, they stay still, they stay in the same spot for a long time, because they're afraid of what their parents will say, which Mm -hmm. is a huge one. Um, I was scared of what my mom would say, you know, yeah. growing up in a in a Spanish household, it was, you know, she wants me to graduate, which mm-hmm. is great and everything, but I really felt God calling me to do this, and, wow. um, you know, even if it just helps one person right. and leads one person to Jesus, just like, come on. that is what That's I'm right. doing this for, you That's know, right. like, yeah. I don't need, like, a crazy audience, obviously, like, that would be great, yeah. and one day, um, I hope to get there, but that's not what I'm doing this for, you know. I used to um, do things to benefit me and be like, oh, how is this going to benefit me? Mm -hmm. How is this going to help me grow? And I was um, listening to Christine Kane, and she was like, if you're asking yourself yourself those questions, you're asking yourself the wrong questions. You should be asking yourself, how is this going to help someone else grow? How is this going to bring someone else to God? How is this going to equip someone else to follow their passion? And, um I'm she's another incredible leader Mm -hmm. that I look up to um but yeah I'm so 
I will always say this. I'm so inspired by you and mm. how you've led so well oh. and the patience that you've had. Like, mm. that's, like, that's incredible because that takes so much. Mm. And um, you definitely are just, I don't know, you're amazing. Yeah. You're so kind. Thank <laughs> you. I'm, I'm honored to get to do life alongside of you and someone you look up to. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And um, I've met so many amazing people from Gen Z, you know, mm. Liv. I was able to meet her at Passion. And yes. then through her, I was able to meet amazing guys and girls that also love Jesus. So it's just been so much growth in Come the past on. months that I never even thought were possible, you Let's know. Go. And, like, even when I was deciding if I could go to Passion or not, yes. like, you gave me so much. You helped me with so much discernment. And wow. you helped me um, – you know, choose what was right, yeah. and in that moment, no decision felt wow. um, like it was the right decision, yeah. because, you know, my mom was sick in the hospital, and I knew that um, I would receive criticism if I did go to mm-hmm. Passion, which I did. Right. I got a lot of um, hurtful feedback mm-hmm. from my family, because they didn't really understand, Yeah, and, you know, most of my family is Christian, but they still didn't think yeah. it was okay, um, but I that whole week I had been doing devotionals and just I remember calling you and crying and like being so frustrated because yeah. like I didn't know what God wanted me to do yeah that kind of reminds me of like you know but um God took me back to the scripture in Luke where it talked about um a disciple had asked Jesus like Jesus what do I have to do to follow mm-hmm. you and it was you must leave your wives and your sons and yes. to follow me and get up and follow me and obviously that sounds a little harsh yeah but I think um, just the heart that you have behind it, like mm. doing anything, yep. um, you know, do, just doing any, leaving anything, no matter what, even if it's, you know, that one thing that you don't want to mm. let go of, that it's the most beautiful thing when you do. And mm. I'm so happy I was able to experience passion because it was the most wonderful way to enter the new year yeah. and just yeah. be in a room with yeah. 60,000 people all Praising one yeah. God and just, yeah. you know, um, yeah, and watching so many speakers speak truth and wisdom and Maverick City, which is amazing. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. So great. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just in utter awe, honestly, mm-hmm. of, like, everything that's happening. Wow. And just being able to come out here, yeah. you know, when yeah. you told me, I was like, I don't know, because, you know, it was like, it's our second time right. hanging out, but it feels like forever yeah. that I've known you. Um, yeah. I love it. I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's get into the Q&A because there are a it. lot of people that asked a lot of questions. Let's do it. So um, a common one was, how did you meet your husband, Aaron? <laughs> I love that question. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, so I met my husband, Aaron, at a conference called Catalyst Conference mm-hmm. in 2018. Mm-hmm. And um, we've talked about this before, but uh, he was my first boyfriend ever. That's crazy. I know. It is crazy. <laughs> and, I, again, I, I say that not thinking that that has to be everyone's story, mm-hmm. but um, knowing that was my story. And I think there's a lot of representation of stories to of people who had to go through a lot of trouble to find the one, and mm-hmm. I think God uses that. Yeah. And there's also stories – that I, I I don't hear as many stories being shared, but I know there are stories happening of people who had to wait and be patient and believe that when God said don't date yet and just wait and wait for the right thing and invest somewhere else, that that also is good and God right. works in that. Mm-hmm. And um and so it's been been really cool how many young women I've gotten to speak to and say, hey, have you dated before? And mm-hmm. they're maybe you know nineteen twenty twenty one and. They sheepishly say, no, I haven't. Yeah. And I love that answer because yeah. I say, same. Like, mm-hmm. I hadn't at that age either. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So let's talk about the different emotions that happen with that. So anyway, I met him when I was 23. Met him at Catalyst Conference. There's, you know, 6,000 people there in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I felt at one moment, I saw him, you know, walking across the lawn during mm-hmm. one of the breaks. And I felt... Maybe God was saying something like, you need to notice that guy. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, yeah, I noticed that guy. <laughs> you know, it's totally my time. Just very impressed. He was at a leadership conference for, mm-hmm. you know, Christian leaders. And yeah. I thought, well, that seems like a cool kind of guy, yeah. you know. Yeah. And Cool place to meet a guy. A cool place to meet a guy, <laughs> for sure. And 
Um, yeah, but I was definitely not the kind of woman that would walk up to a guy for that mm-hmm. reason. Yeah. I just was very content in my singleness, very independent, probably to a fault in some ways, and just very focused on what God had called me to do. I knew that I was called to start Generation Stink, launch our podcast, write a book, um, disciple young leaders and all these young leaders into their calling. Mm-hmm. I knew my, my I knew my calling. Yeah. And I wasn't really looking for anything else. Mm-hmm. But I knew if God was going to bring me a guy at one point, he'd have to just put him right in front of me and just really say, here's who he is, like, on this little platter. Yeah. And sure enough, five minutes after I first saw him walking, um, I knew his friend from social media. Mm-hmm. His friend walked up to me and said, hey, Hannah, we know each other's Instagram. I was like, yes, so great to see you. And I didn't realize, but he was friends with this guy named Aaron Barnett. And he mm-hmm. said hey, you need to meet my friend Aaron, and Aaron walked up, and I, inter- and I was like, no way, <laughs> you know, God, how crazy yeah. is that, and so, yeah, um, yeah so from there, we just started talking, and the thing that just really united us was, we had all the same passions and calling on our life, and so we thought, man, if we have the same calling on our life, we should probably do this together, yeah. you know, and so that's Amazing. been the best part of our relationship, is that yeah. we, we came and like the thing we fell in love with first was each other's calling and yeah. purpose and passion. Yeah. And then everything else came with that. And so yeah. no matter what, we know that there is this common thing that will always tie us together and that is our calling. Yeah. And that is the common purpose that we share of really investing in the next generation of leaders. And so, um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's been a wild ride. We dated it for a year and nine months. Mm-hmm. We're engaged for eight months and then have been married for eight months now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, amazing. You guys lead so well. And Gen Z, um, Aaron speaks so highly of you. Mm -hmm. And um, today when we were in the car and he was just praying over you, and that Mm -hmm. was just so beautiful to witness because that's something I want to find one day, you know. Um, I feel like it's so easy in this generation to get frustrated with not finding the one. Totally. Um, But it also takes time, which, like, with that, requires a lot of patience yeah. you know especially if you because it would be so easy to go out and date a frat guy date yeah. a guy that you know would you know you could see yourself dating but you can't yeah. see yourself marrying yeah. you know it'd be so easy to do that and um you know I, I'll a past friendships I've seen that and you know you get frustrated because it's like well I want that yeah. you know totally but um something that you said yesterday like sometimes like short-term happiness like mm-hmm. won't lead to anything yeah it, and it won't um, bring anything meaningful yeah. that you'll remember in the future, you Come know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've definitely gone through those times, mm-hmm. and I know anyone listening probably can relate yeah. to the same thing. You know, even you, you know, in the season of mm-hmm. singleness, I bet that there were times of like, okay, God, like, oh, you absolutely, can, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, you can, okay, you can send someone now, yes. like, like me and Liv have been saying, yeah. like, God, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, but there's such a beautiful thing in being patient, even if it does get frustrating, right. you know, that's right, so, um, yeah, I just wanted to say, that's Thanks. great, Thanks. Thanks. can we just pause you, can yeah. we just check the camera, yeah, make sure, so we're like, yeah, we edit that out. what time, do you know what time we started, or no? Okay. That's what I was just thinking. Can we just edit this out? We're only okay. Sounds good. Okay. So, actually, the next question relates a lot to what we just spoke mm-hmm. about. Um, what would you say to someone in the season of singleness dating? Yes. Come yeah. on. Yeah. I would say focus on your calling, mm. build your calling. Go after it with everything you have. Yeah. I think one of the hardest parts of singleness is that you feel that your life isn't as full. But the beauty of the fact that your life isn't as full is you get to invest it however you want to. Come on. And so in my season of singleness, I never felt that it wasn't full because, and this isn't to brag about how I live, this is just to give an example of how it's possible to steward your singleness. Yeah. You know, when I was, you know, not 18, 19, all the way through 23, and, and still to this day I do this kind of stuff, but especially in that season, I mean, I was up, you know, two to three days a week at like 5.30 a.m. to go pick up one of the uh, high school women that I was discipling, and I would take them out for coffee and read my Bibles with them and invest in them before I, 
school, and then I would drop them off at high school, mm-hmm. and then I would go and I would work one of my five five odd jobs that I had to support myself wow. to start Generation Instinct, and then I would run to a coffee shop after one odd job and work on Generation Instinct for a little bit and try to figure out what this was mm-hmm. and try and launch a podcast, which I did yeah. like with no money on. Mm-hmm. You know, I did it in my you know, bedroom at the time with nothing and started Generation Sync on a website I designed Mm -hmm. and had no idea what I was doing. And um, just all, I was able to build. And, you know, I remember Saturday nights where I knew a lot of my friends were out, Mm -hmm. you know, doing things that were fine. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe they were out with um, a bunch of friends and they were going to a bar. And again, it's fine, but or I knew people that were out with their boyfriends. And again, that's n- none of that is necessarily evil. But mm-hmm. I just knew I was supposed to steward that season for a very important reason. Yeah. And so I would be at home or at a coffee shop working on my bar proposal or um, investing young women or, mm-hmm. you know, working on speaking engagements or driving four hours to a speaking engagement for 10 kids where I got no pay for it. Mm-hmm. And I actually lost money because of all the gas, right? Like <laughs> there were just so many moments yeah. where I was building the foundation wow. of the calling that I'm now getting to live in. Yeah. And looking back, I just am so grateful that I got to build the, the foundation of it when I was single, mm-hmm. because once I met Aaron, I wasn't ever afraid that I wouldn't get to live out my calling because I'd already started it. Like I didn't need him for my calling. Mm-hmm. And so I already started living it out. And so I would just say, steward every moment. Your life is not empty. And if it is empty, fill it with things that matter. Yeah. Find a woman or a man to disciple. Like, mm-hmm. find um, a project to invest your life mm-hmm. in. Start a podcast like you're doing, right? Like, start a business. Yeah. Build your calling. Mm-hmm. Say yes. Yeah. Volunteer in a nonprofit. Yeah. Run a race and raise money for a, a cause you believe in, right? Yeah. There's so many things we can do in our single mm-hmm. years. Yeah. And the right kind of person will fall in love with you even more because of those things. Yeah. The thing that Aaron said he was praying for most in a woman was that she had her own thing, yeah. meaning that I had done something with my single years yeah. and that I didn't need him. Mm-hmm. Like he wanted a woman that wasn't waiting for him to start living out her calling, yeah. but he was just doing it because I'm my own person in yeah. Jesus. Wow. Now we get to now come together as one in marriage, mm-hmm. but I did not need him to be a full person. I was a full human created by God as a daughter of the king before Mm -hmm. I ever met him. And now I just get to share in this beautiful calling with him. And so it's out of a place of abundance, not out of a place of scarcity. And Mm -hmm. so invest your single years, and I promise you you won't regret it. Wow, that's so good. I just want to add on a little part to when you were talking about how – you know, your friends would be going out, yeah. and friends yeah. would be going out with boyfriends. I've definitely experienced that yeah. because, you know, I don't go to, like, a, the typical Christian school. Yep. Um, I don't go to a Christian school at all. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's been hard moments, and I actually called you for one of these mm-hmm. moments when it was Halloween weekend, mm-hmm. and, you know, my church is 45 minutes away. Mm-hmm. So usually, you know, I go with a friend or we'll, like, switch on and off. And I called you up because I was like, oh, my gosh, like, none of my friends want to go with me. And I was like, I don't know if I should go to this Halloween party, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, there's nothing wrong in going to parties. Right, but right. Um, I I was just, like, I, I just felt like I needed to call mm-hmm. you for advice, you know. Um, and I remember you telling me, you were like, you have to remember every decision that you make today will affect the woman that you are a year from now. Mm-hmm. And I tell that to everyone because, wow. like, it's so, it's so true. And yeah. it's, it's so much deeper than that, you know. It's yeah. um, who you are. To, like, you're investing in yourself. Yes. And you're not just – you know, it's not just another night where you're going out and you're, you know you're, you're losing sleep, or, um, but you're you know you're growing as a mm-hmm. woman and you're growing as a future wife mm-hmm. that will be able to lead. You That's know, right. um, both of you will be able to, yeah. you know are leading your yeah. relationship and like it's only you know and even if that means you know not seeing a cute guy for the night like right? you know yep. short term contentment right. like. It's going to bring long-term satisfaction. That's right. So. That's right. It's about yeah. living with the end in mind. Wow. And um, when Aaron and I first started dating, our very first official date after becoming boyfriend and girlfriend, mm-hmm. we went to this coffee shop, and he sat down with me, and he said, okay, I want this I want this relationship to last. I want mm-hmm. to go the distance with you. Mm-hmm. 
And so let's create a strategy mm-hmm. for how to have a great relationship. Wow. And so it was so romantic to me. Some people hear that and they think, really? That's what you did on your first date? And I love, I mean, I was like, this is why he's the right guy for yeah. me. But we literally spent hours pouring over a strategy where we created 12 core um, principles that we wanted to live by in our wow. dating relationship and then mm-hmm. beyond. And one of them was live with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. And that went into wow. a lot in how we treated each other, how we approached boundaries, how we intentionally crafted our relationship. We weren't just crafting a good dating relationship. We were dating thinking, how can we prepare for a good marriage one day? Mm-hmm. How can we be the leaders we need to be one day? And so wow. when we live with the end in mind, where do we want to be in the future? Mm-hmm. It changes how we live today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, and I'm so happy that um, one thing that you all, you said last night was that Aaron told you that he wanted to pursue you. Yeah. yeah. And that was, that's beautiful yeah. because, you know, um, I would think that a guy would have said that like 50 years ago, you know, like <laughs> yeah. when, you know, we were in that romantic, but like right. to know that there's still guys out yeah. there that want to do that. And for me, that's like, and you know, for all the girls that were at a little sleepover yesterday, that's like a, a reminder that there's still good guys out there. Yeah, that's right. Even if, you know, they might not be the easiest ones to find, but they're still out there. That's right. They're somewhere. That's right. <laughs> not in Florida, but they're still <laughs> I believe it. I believe yeah. it. They're there. Yeah, they're okay. So something that I want to point out about what you said um, was when you mentioned um, like going out to clubs yeah. and going out to bars. That's definitely something that I've experienced yeah. um, going to, you know, non-Christian school. Mm. It's definitely way more common than usual. Um, and obviously, like, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, totally. I love going out and, you know, having fun with friends and stuff. But I remember calling you up on Halloween weekend, yeah. and um, I asked you, I was like, can I, like, and it was, like, our second time talking <laughs> yeah. ever. Yeah. And I was like, kind of, like, I don't know if I should um, – go to young adults or if I should go to a Halloween party like all my friends want to go out like the friends that I usually go out um to young adults with and I remember you saying something so wise and literally I remind I probably told like 10 people um the decisions that you make today will affect the woman that you are a year from now Mm. and it'll change like the woman that you are and you know that's all by your choice you know yeah. So, um, like that, that was so good. And I remember in that moment, like, just like realizing, like, you know what? I need to go to young adults. Yeah. Even if, um, even if it's just going to teach me, like, a small thing or a yeah. big thing, like, it's going to prepare me for the future to be a Come better on. friend, to be That's a better right. sister, a better daughter, a better right. wife one yeah. day, a yeah. better girlfriend, you know? Yeah. Um, so That's I thought it. that was amazing. It's so good. It's thinking with the end in mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, when Aaron and I first went on our, you know, first date post becoming boyfriend and girlfriend, mm-hmm. that was a part of the strategy that we created. So Aaron sat down with me the very first time we ever had a date post becoming boyfriend and girlfriend, and he said, I want this relationship to last. I want to go the distance with you. Mm-hmm. And so in order to make that happen, I want to create a strategy that we can actually make it and establish who we want to be in our dating and beyond. And we poured hours into this strategy wow. that we created. We identified um, 12 key principles of who we wanted to be when we were dating, which has carried now over to who we want to be as a married couple and as a little family. And um, one of those was we want to live with the end in mind. Wow. Because when we make choices today, we're not just making random decisions. We're making choices that directly affect the person we are a year from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, right? And it will affect if we have future kids. It will affect... If we have future um, businesses, it'll affect if we have future, you know, ministries. It'll affect everything we are, the decisions we make today. And sometimes society likes to oversimplify decisions and just say, cut loose, you know, relax, just take it easy as a young adult. Mm -hmm. But in reality, these are the years. These are the moments to prepare for the person that we want to be in the future. And so I just think that idea is, is so important is living with the end in mind. Yeah, that's so good. Okay. So next question. Come on. Um, let's see. So, um, what's your favorite worship song? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, 
there are a few I really like right now. Um, one of them that, um, yeah, one that is a really key worship song mm-hmm. over the last two years mm-hmm. is um, The Blessing with oh, Carrie Job. Love that song. And um, it's funny because it's a very common, very popular song, but that song has been a really big piece of my story over the last oh. two years. Um, two years ago, before COVID was a thing, like a month before, there was a group of us as young leaders in Washington, D.C. And we were there for this young leaders event. And um, Corey, um, oh, what's Carrie Job's husband's name? Corey. Corey, uh, no, Corey, uh, no. Uh, wait. Um, Not Corey Asbury, no, the other one. No, the other one. one, yeah. Cody Carnes. Carnes, there we go. <laughs> nailed it. Yeah. So Cody Carnes was there live, and he mm-hmm. said, he got off on stage, and he was just there with an acoustic guitar, and he said, I actually have a song I'm going to play for you all, and it's not released until next week, but I'm going to play it for you guys, and it was just him and a guitar. And I remember sitting there with Aaron, we were just dating at the time, and he started to play this song. It just gives me chills. I know, and he yeah. started to say, you know, this, the songs are the blessing, or the words are the blessing, and it's... Yeah about the generations and the and the vision and Aaron and I both felt this this movement in our hearts. Well fast forward a month later, you know, everything shuts down for COVID. Mm-hmm. And we were dating at the time and it was a really hard season for us because it ended up long story short that he had to move away. Um so we not only were separated through quarantine, but he had to move out of state because of all that. And yeah. he, you know, needed to get a job in a different area and all of that. His living situation changed. Mm-hmm. And so we were separated and things were just really hard. We were planning on getting engaged that that spring. Mm-hmm. And instead of getting engaged, we were not only not engaged, we were also not even living in the same state anymore uh-huh. and we couldn't even really see each other because it was quarantine. And yeah. so there's just a lot of disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um and that bless the song of blessing just carried us through it in so many ways. It had just been released, and mm-hmm. I mean that just became a mantra. Yeah. Well, then fast forward, Passion twenty twenty um, one, it was um, in virtual Passion, mm-hmm. but there was a few of us that were invited to come to Atlanta mm-hmm. and be the studio audience. Yeah. And so Aaron and I, after a really hard year, we finally got engaged. We finally were moving forward, and at Passion twenty twenty one, we were sitting in the front row. Mm-hmm. and Carrie, Job, and Cody Carnes come out, and they start singing The Blessing. Oh, my goodness. And it had been nearly a year. I'm going to get emotional now. It had been nearly a year since the first time we heard that song. And we had walked through a lot of disappointment, clinging to this promise that God had a blessing for us. And we sat in the front row and just worshipped our heart out as we declared together that we felt like God did, in fact, have a blessing in store for us. And we were feeling it. We were experiencing it. And there were still a lot of hard things we were walking through and things that we hadn't figured out. And we were still waiting for God to come through on a lot of his promises. But we were declaring it. We had yeah. seen him come through on so many. And so um, that was like this mantra moment. And that uh, somebody from the staff of Passion snapped a picture of us worshiping to that song. And um. Aaron and I are both like on our knees, like hands up. And... I framed that picture and I gave it to him uh, for Christmas mm-hmm. or for his birthday. That was like a week later. Yeah. And it was this powerful moment. And so um, we ended up deciding um, that we wanted to sing that song at our wedding. And so one of our really good friends, Chi Chi, um, who was also with us in the front row when we sang it at Passion, mm-hmm. um, played it for us at our wedding. And it was one of the most holy moments I've ever experienced. We framed our wedding ceremony in a way that actually um, had the song playing throughout the entire 30-minute service. So wow. it would be a moment of vows back to a blessing. Mm-hmm. Somebody would pray a moment the, back to a blessing, and that wow. was the key song. And there was this, just this powerful, as I looked around the wedding at our closest people mm-hmm. in our life, and they're singing these words of, may, may, um, may his favor be upon you for a thousand generations, generations. and your family so and powerful. children and this is happening over us so at our good. wedding in our wedding ceremony as we're becoming a family yeah. for the first time and looking over the favor of god of all the disappointment we faced and how we never thought we would get to our wedding day and it was literally the most amazing moment and so the blessing has just always been a really special song in our story wow. and it continues to be that that's amazing mm-hmm. yeah yeah i love 
both of them. They're both amazing yeah. artists. Yeah, yeah. Carrie Job and um, so let's see. Um, uh, three wishes granted. What yes. are they? Three wishes granted. Mm-hmm. Number one, I've always wanted to be a surfer. Mm-hmm. I've always thought I was meant to be a surfer. Yeah. Truly. Okay. And so I've been surfing one time. Yeah. I really liked it, yeah. but it was like in Mexico, and the waves were so dangerous. I don't think we should have really been out there, but we had a guy who brought us out. <laughs> anyway, I would magically wake up tomorrow and be an amazing surfer. She wouldn't move to Hawaii though. So no, <laughs> Chicago. I, I know love she loves Chicago too much. So I'll have to just vacation okay. for it. Second one. Um, number two. Um, I would say yeah, I want to be a surfer. Um, I would love for Chicago because I love living here and I don't mind the cold like I love our fall I love our Christmas but I would love for spring to start in January mm. so the cold yes. just lasts through Christmas and then all yes. of a sudden you wake up on January 1st and yeah. it's spring that, like it's that would 60, be amazing sunny snow's gone and then we just go up from there and then I, we have a really long summer yeah I'd probably move to New York City if that were a thing because like yeah. I love experiencing fall yeah and totally. um winter for yes. christmas like yes. off for thanksgiving yeah and being in florida you don't get to experience yeah. any of that right. like it feel like thank god i was able to fly home and you know kind of like okay like now it feels like yeah, thanksgiving yeah. like yeah. it's freezing yeah mm-hmm. um and even now like i'm freezing here yeah. but <laughs> um that uh, yeah that yeah. i would agree with that one yeah 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 and then the third one we mm-hmm. talked about this earlier yeah i always have loved the spanish language mm-hmm I took it for three years and then went to the Dominican Republic for three or for a month mm-hmm. and had a lot of immersion in that area. Yeah. One of the towns I stopped in and served in was, um, I was the only American. Mm-hmm. So I'd walk down the street and they would yell, Americana, Americana, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I was pretty conversational when I left there. Yeah. But I've lost so much of it. And mm-hmm. so I would love to become fluent in Spanish yeah. again. So yeah, for sure. teach me. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 30 minute go. classes a week. Let's I told go. her. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Um, hmm. um let's see. Uh what does preparing for a speaking event look like and how would you encourage someone wanting to start? Yeah, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Something that I have found is that everybody's preparation process is different, and it should be. That's mm-hmm. actually a good thing. Mm-hmm. I used to hear a lot of people say, I spend you know, 20 hours of setting and processing and writing and rewriting and mm-hmm. writing a manuscript perfectly and word for word and then memorizing the manuscript. And I tried to do it that way for a season, and it just didn't feel right. I mm-hmm. felt off. It didn't feel like what I was supposed to do. And so I started to experiment new ways, and I learned other people's processes and I started to just take a little bit of what I heard from different people process mm-hmm. and I heard one of my mentors who said how she does it which is very simple it's it's not very long it's very much she looks at the text she prays about it she lives it a little bit she asks people about it mm-hmm. and then she writes it and mm-hmm. it's a very brief outline and she goes up and she preaches it mm-hmm. and that was the first time where I thought well that sounds way more like me mm-hmm. and so I started to make it my my own and um, now my preparation process looks like, you know, sometimes they tell me what they want me to preach on. Sometimes they just say whatever you're feeling God's leading you toward. And um, so I'll usually look at the text or I'll go back to the text that stood out to me in my personal Bible reading. Um, and I'll just like read it over and try and identify what's the big takeaway from mm-hmm. this piece, from this piece of scripture. Um, and then I've developed just through developing my own speaking style like a seven point speaking outline yeah. that mm-hmm. i try and use to craft all my speaks my mm-hmm. talks um which i showed you earlier yeah amazing and for me it just helps me stay organized and then i always know where i'm going in a talk mm-hmm. i can literally visualize it and it's really a lot more efficient to write a talk because i already mm-hmm. know where i'm going i just have to plug in okay what's the scripture for this what's the mm-hmm. application for this mm-hmm. one what's the challenge for this one right and so that has really helped me be more efficient in it but here's the piece that I think really is big for me is I've learned if I over prepare I don't mm-hmm. create a lot of space for the Holy Spirit yeah and maybe for some people they're able to prepare and still leave room for the Holy Spirit and that's amazing they're just probably better Christians than I am <laughs> I just am not good at that I I literally need to create space yeah. in my talks 
for reliance on the Holy Spirit. And when I do, I have a different posture mm-hmm. and something different happens yeah. in the room. Um, and so the most, the most memorable talks I've ever given were the moments when I didn't get, um, I didn't have it all perfectly planned and every word and every syllable and every motion. I went through a couple times and I just believed that I was going to speak out of conviction. And I also have realized that in a lot of ways, when I create space for me to have to just kind of talk about things that I'm, I know and things that I believe about God, this different like conviction comes out yeah. because somebody can look at me and say, she's not speaking from a script. She's mm-hmm. speaking from conviction. She yeah. really believes this thing. She, yeah. she doesn't have to memorize it because she already yeah. knows it and believes yeah. it. And yeah. so again, everyone per- person is different. You know, one yeah. of my best friends is an incredible preacher and she, mm-hmm. she has to plan every right, yeah. every word and she manuscripts yeah. it out, but she's still relying yeah. on the spirit. And so yeah. for me personally, that's, that's how I prepare. Yeah. And that reminds me a lot about how I remember like in high school when, um, we were given, you know, you have to prepare slides. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our teachers would tell us, you know, don't read directly yeah. off the slides. Like, yeah. you know, it's more of like knowledge that, like, you know, it's there to guide you, but it's yeah. not there for you to read word for word because exactly. you should have more knowledge like because that means that you understand the exactly. topic. So, yeah, that's that's yeah. a great answer. Um, oh, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> um. What are some of, Okay. Um what are some of your goals you hope to reach in 2022? Love that question. Mm-hmm. Um you know I think what I've learned about myself is that I'm a very naturally goal-oriented person. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're into strength finders at all, but there's a test called the strength finders. Um, highly recommend it if anyone listening hasn't taken it. It's a really effective tool, kind of like an Enneagram, but oh. specifically not your personality, but what are your strengths? Mm. And one of my top five strengths is achiever, and most of my top five strengths are about accomplishing something. Yeah. I just really have this ear where I'm able to accomplish a lot. And so I used to set a lot of goals for myself, and honestly, I think that just kind of like almost confirmed this belief that I was already struggling to with that that is what gives me value mm. and so I've kind of realized setting too many goals for myself is not really healthy yeah but rather giving myself vision for the kind of human I want to be that's healthy yeah and so um I think a lot of what I want in 2022 you know ministry wise I'm really excited about where Generation of Saints is growing mm-hmm. um you know goal wise we just hit our largest cohort to date we yeah, passed the number on. that we were thinking we're gonna you know hit for yeah. our February cohort that mm-hmm. launched last night and yeah. um I mean we literally passed all of our goals for that yeah. which I literally didn't think a few hours before we were going to and God just came through yeah. and so I also That's realized amazing. if I set too many goals I start to think I'm really cool oh, okay. <laughs> no I start to think yeah. I'm really a, 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 a amazing leader and I really? I have this gear where I'm able to make things happen mm-hmm. to a fault. Mm. And I've realized if I, um, if I just say, God, what do you want to do in 2022? Mm. Like that is a way better heart posture. Yeah. For me. For Cause sure. otherwise, again, I try to make things happen that I think are good ideas instead of saying, God, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to respond to that yeah. in obedience. And then I realize when things, those things happen, they're all gone. Yeah. And the numbers, like the vision for Generation that's been an all-God vision. So I know yeah. it's not me. I know that's only God coming mm-hmm. through at the last minute. And so, um, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. I think um, one one fun goal is um, my husband and I are planning on running the Chicago Marathon in October oh, of 2022. This will be both of our second marathons, but we haven't done mm-hmm. one together. So yeah. this will be our first marathon together. Um, so that's a fun personal mm-hmm. one. Um, we really value being healthy in mind, body, and soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of couples I've found like get married and then just kind of let themselves go. And I don't mean looks. I mean like taking care of themselves yeah. and being their best self for the other person. Yeah. And that's been a big priority is for we actually want to be healthier at our one-year anniversary mm-hmm. than we were at wedding and then oh. two-year and then three-year. Like we want to always be on this quest of becoming our best self. And so – finding new ways to challenge ourselves. Yeah. Um, we try to be really consistent about being in the gym, eating really healthy, starting our day with, with in, you know, um, quiet time and yeah. reflection. So I think just being consistent in those mm-hmm. things. Um, and then we, 
you know, ministry-wise also, we are planning our first ever summer event for Generation State. I'll be here. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, so last question. Yes. What's your favorite Bible verse? You know, I have a lot of verses that I love. Yeah. Um, I would say if I'm, I'm really a story person, and so I really like understanding a story. Yeah. But if I had to... I'll choose a passage. Let's yeah, do that. Yeah. I love Romans 8, especially in the message mm. version. Um, there's just so much power in that passage. One of my favorite parts of that passage is um, how we get to look at God, um, and then it says, with um, we get to invite into this adventurously expectant life, mm. greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? Mm. And I just love that picture of our relationship with God is not this, drill master he's not this um teacher with a list of rules and he's watching our behavior he's actually this adventurous dad who we get to go to and say all right god what's next like what's the next adventure we get to go on and and that vision in romans 8 and it expounds even more on this abundant free life that he invites us to live um it's just really compelling so romans 8 especially in the message version yeah Okay, I love Romans eight twenty eight. Like mm, for God works all on. all good things for good. That's right. Um, but my favorite one would have to be Acts twenty twenty four. Mm. Um, and I've been trying to like incorporate it, incorporate it every day more in my life. It says, yeah. "However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace." Amen. So thank you so much for doing this, for inviting me out here, for um, letting us stay in your home and just being (laughs) such an amazing leader and um, being, you know, every day more like Jesus, just the like, not just, you know, saying things, but the way you do everything and your actions just show, you know, so much grace and so much love. And I'm just so appreciative of everything and every everything you are. So, wow, yeah. I'm so honored to be a part of your life. <laughs> Believe in you so, so much. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. I love you. Love you <laughs> okay. That's, that's it. <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wait, we, we did it. I think I did it. Wait, hold on. We're going to take a quick snap. <laughs>